This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Idea City Podcast. For more information or to watch talks online, go to ideacity.ca or check out the Idea City channel on YouTube. Hello, and welcome to Idea City on the Air. By the end of the next half hour, you'll be inspired and enlightened by the world's biggest ideas, innovations, and breakthroughs as you hear about them in talks from the planet's smartest people. Moses Nimer's three-day annual Idea City conference in Toronto has been called Canada's premier meeting of the minds, and we're glad to have your mind with us. In this episode of Idea City on the Air, Rob Nail speaks about the future of AI and robotics. Now, let's join Moses as he introduces Rob to the stage. Uh, there are, of course, uh, many concerns regarding robots. Uh, in the movies, um, they're, they're portrayed with the possibility of being lethal. Um, the Terminator movies give you a sense of what that might be like, but on a more practical level, there are concerns about their role in the creation of unemployment um, and, uh, and the use of robots, as I said, in combat situation raises serious ethical concerns. And of course, the big question, the question of robot autonomy and potential repercussions of that have been addressed in fiction and will soon have to be addressed in fact. So first, in order to set the scene, I've uh, persuaded Rob Nail to come back. Uh, before he became the CEO at uh, Singularity, Rob had a distinguished and actual business career in robotics. Uh, his university training was also in artificial intelligence and robotics. So please, Rob, would you set the scene and bring us up to speed? Great. Thank you. Well, as Moses mentioned, a past life for me was filled with robots. Um, I have a personal passion and uh, think a lot about them, but I do not think of myself as an expert in robotics any longer. Uh, You're about to see some pretty extraordinary people and some of their expertise, and I'll leave the super technical questions to some of them. But um, I I started my career building robotics for automation, Robotics and automation for cancer research and drug discovery, where we're helping scientists do better experimentation at a faster rate, smaller scale, more efficient. Um, and it was extraordinary. Today, it's sort of robotics have transcended my life in some interesting ways. So my wife and I talk about our blended family. Um, we, uh, this is, if you're curious a little bit more about how I think and what we do at Singular University, this, this magazine just came out this month in Silicon Valley. It's uh, mostly focused on philanthropy and um, the, the Silicon Valley mindset around it. But robotics clearly are entering our day-to-day lives in some interesting ways. There are so many different things that are coming into the news and into our offices and into the conference spaces, it's hard to tell what's real, relevant, important. You know, what's the future and what's maybe fake. So an interesting, interesting time around robotics. Um, historically, robotics have been these big industrial scale machines. 
largely to take what we currently do and do it faster, cheaper, better, safer. Uh, this was, that was actually the, the Tesla manufacturing center. And the, the scale of robotics that are being uh, acquired and built for industrial robotics is still rapidly increasing. However, the shift is really moving towards more collaborative, tailored robotics that also can, can be interactive with people. Those big industrial scale robots, you don't, do not want to get near them because they don't see you and they could kill you because they're so big and unwieldy. This wave of collaborative robotics you, you work with and it enhances your own capabilities. Now, one of the things that I've, I've been most fascinated about and I've been tracking for a few years is, is this incredible exponential pace of robotics. Uh, when I started my robotics business back in 97, 98, it was, they were tinker toys. Motors and actuators moving really basic systems. And we thought we were leading edge to, to do the, the Robo Soccer Cup games and build a, build a robot that could follow a piece of tape. You had to load the ball in it and it could shoot at a goal. And today you've got high school age kids building bipedal robots playing as teams at pretty interesting levels. It is moving fast. I'm gonna walk you through a couple examples of how fast, what an exponential curve in robotics looks like. So about five years, DARP, five years ago, DARPA put a robotics challenge, $2 million prize for, for robots that could go into disaster scenarios and deal with specific tasks. There's a wide range of really interesting platforms, not all humanoid, as you can see here with the, the Simeon bot, um, but they did some pretty basic tasks. All of the videos that you could go back on the DARPA site, you'll see, are all sped up dramatically. When I saw this, I was like, wow, that's amazing, and yet my little project at home is totally at this level as well. It was really interesting. So the Beckett bot, which we, were, we started in 20, uh, sort of 2013 as well, um, has almost the same level of capability of the leading edge general autonomous robots from, from DARPA. <laughs> And there's, there's a lot of interesting um, analogies here of things that we've learned, uh, a lot of failure modes that we saw with those big expensive robots. We've had them with our little, uh, our little bot. <laughs> and um, when, when you repair with stitches or Band-Aids, they learn quickly, you reprogram, and then they don't repeat it, right? It, it's, it's actually very similar. So, so this, this has been interesting for me because it continues. Uh, 2015, Boston Dynamics is one of the leading uh, robotics on this sort of this scale, largely for military-like contracts. But this humanoid robot that can walk into a warehouse and move things and do general stuff is progressing. And, and I would say this is one of those things that captures our attention, interest, and fear more than anything else. Because this is as human as it gets in the robotic sphere, right? And it's pretty extraordinary to watch these massively complex robotic systems go through very complex terrains and do what they were instructed to do. And actually deal with the variability of those kinds of things. Um, and, and, and different platforms as well, like Big Dog and others, it starts to enter in a little bit more creepy, concerning space where you see these, they almost look, they look, they look terrifying, right? If you saw these walking down the sidewalk or come out of the bush, it would, it would scare you to death, right? Um, and largely, we are mirroring biology, right? This is biomimicry is best. We engineers typically have a pretty limited uh, 
uh, imagination. We just copy what we see, and it's easier to, to work at this scale building systems like this. Um, I'll just, I'll just sort of show this. For, the, for all of these that have pets at home, um, and you're thinking about the future of the pet, uh, there's new capabilities that can obviously come online. Uh, very creepy feature capabilities. <laughs> but, but this is why, right? So if you want to get a beer from the fridge or you want it to do the dishes, it has an arm instead of a neck and a head, right? So that makes sense, okay. So back to the Beckett bot. In parallel, the same time, here's the Beckett bot navigating similarly complex terrain, right? <laughs> Doing pretty well. Kind of the same speed, but where the Beckett bot is way out ahead is he can navigate very fluidly, very differentiated weights, sizes, colors, shapes, fluidly. The robot has a really hard time to do that. So this is kind of one of the things that humans are way ahead on. Very good, and now grab the towel. Yeah. Perfect. Coming up after the break. It's getting better all the time. And different platforms and form factors allow for different capabilities as well. And so now you transcend the specific humanoid structure and these systems can do dramatically more things. Welcome back to Idea City on the air. You're listening to Rob Nail speak about the future of AI and robotics. Let's keep progressing. So this is late last year, Boston Dynamics little Atlas robot. So we'll, we'll just go head to head here. This is the, the Dyna Boston Dynamics and the Beckett bot navigating similar terrains again. And I'd have to say that the Beckett bot is really lagging. He's, he's underperforming. I'm pretty disappointed in his, his progress at this stage. He's now in gymnastics. And it's a pretty, pretty interesting thing that we're, we're tracking here. Um, I just want to make sure that we catch at least one or two out clips here, because those are, they're not perfect. They show you the perfect clip. And then there's all the other ones that they, they fail on. Right, right. So they still have a ways to go. We're like, we're not, it's not too big of a threat, but we've got a ways. However, it's getting better all the time. And different platforms and form factors allow for different capabilities as well. And so now you transcend the specific humanoid structure and these systems can do dramatically more things. Now Boston Dynamics has worked very hard to build these pretty generally um, general purpose robots that can be used in lots of different situations. And you don't have any of these at home yet. But when there's a need to move very specific loads or do specific tasks, this is where the robots will, will really come in handy. So they're pretty incredibly 
flexible and are already transcending what we're capable of doing. The Beckett bot, on the other hand, is uh, now we've introduced V2, which is the, the Romy bot. Um, <laughs> and what's exciting here is they are learning together. There's a collaboration piece and a learning piece that is accelerated how quickly the second one could go. This is a wave of where the robotics field is getting interesting as well. Google and many other companies are, are looking at how robots, deep learning, and you're going to hear a lot about this shortly, um, and collaborative learning through multiple systems of robotics are mimicking, again, what humans are really good at. AI and robotics, massive in our lives. Assistance, uh, we're all going to have our own tailored AI assistant. You think Siri is a clunky, weird thing today. There we go. This is Google's um, current assistant. Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's an AI assistant, by the way. At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. So if that excites and terrifies you, it should. And imagine that's today my assistant calling your assistant to book things in the near future. When my assistant knows everything I want, desire, my agenda, my goals, and your assistant knows yours, they can do things for us that would take us a lot of time. That is, we're at the doorstep of this new collaborative approach. Uh, on the robotic side, everything that we move physically will be moved autonomously. Food, products, people. In the air and on, on the ground and in the water. The way that we manufacture everything, similarly, is becoming more specifically tailored to our lives. Through additive manufacturing, we have an amazing amount of capability there. Flying cars are a real thing. Love to talk about it if you're interested. I will just throw out there. In the not too distant future, pretty much every physical task and most cognitive tasks will be performed faster, cheaper, better, more precisely by autom automation. It's just a matter of time. And so how do we navigate that if we expect that to happen? And how do we actually make that a good thing? I love this quote by Ernest Hemingway. It's one of my favorites. And it kind of sums up my view on exponential technologies. Er, uh, how did you go bankrupt? Two ways, gradually and then suddenly. We see it all coming. We see the exponential curves. We know where we're headed for the future. And we have plenty of time to change our mindset and frameworks and decide where we want it to, want to take, it, take us. But doing nothing and just waiting for it to happen is going to lead to the wrong place. I believe the best way to predict the future that we want is to create it ourselves. Thank you so much. That was perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Idea City on the Air. Catch Moses Neimer's Idea City Conference live every June in Toronto or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at ideacity.ca.
For more information about Idea City, find us online at ideacity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or youtube.com slash ideacity. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.